Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. How'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Yo, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Whatever you are, however you are listening, thank you for taking part. Thank you for doing so. Appreciate you being here for episode 37. Of the Grease Pole Podcast. As always, you can follow along on Instagram at Grease Pole Podcast. All episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes available every Monday. Subscribe, rate, review, sharing is caring, word of mouth, all of the above are appreciated. Uh, thank you. This is going to be uh, a, a fun ride, a fun retrospective, if you will. It is not officially the year anniversary of the pod yet, but uh, we have made it through. We have finished up a calendar year as we are now at 2021, and the year 2020 is in the rear view, thank God. Although, you know, early returns on 2021 aren't fabulous either, depending on how much stock you put into, you know, re resetting the clock on 365 days. But what I wanted to do before kind of resetting the clock on the calendar for the podcast and, and free agency and the draft and things like that is look back on on the first year of the pod, the first eight months or so, and just kind of look back at I you know, I guess the greatest hits for lack of a better term on on what the first year's been. It's, you know, again, not twelve full months, about eight months, but there's some stuff out there and uh I I've enjoyed very very thoroughly this this first eight months. I you know we started this journey together around the draft. The draft is my cocaine every year, and I cannot wait to delve into the draft stuff on the other side of this episode. Um, I thought it was a good time to do it. Nobody, you don't want to do your best of 2020 and you know march around St. Patty's Day at that point. We're already you know like a trimester into 2021, so it's irrelevant by that point. And by that point, we'll be you know head first into draft coverage anyway, and I wouldn't want to do a best of 2020. Um, so it's it's been interesting getting back into doing this. You know, again, it's it's through the first 36 episodes, man, it's it's been a matter of trying to trying to shake the cobwebs off personally on doing this, find the voice of the pod, um, get everything out there that I want to get out there. And just kind of observing the way things have gone for this team since the pod has began. You know, this was I hell, I was sitting here in April possibly thinking, man, if 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 my guy Eleven stays healthy, maybe we can make a run at another Lombardi. And I don't think I was the only one that thought that way. And now here we are eight months later with Doug Peterson out of town and Carson Wentz hated his ass. And, you know, those reports are out there now. We're in the middle of a head coaching search. And just all hell has broken loose. So uh, I do not know how well this this greatest hits will have aged. 
you know, I might not look like the smartest guy at times, but you know, at the end of the day, man, that's what it's about. You know, you're not going to nail everything. Everything's not going to be right. Everything's not going to be wrong, but nonetheless, these are from, from kind of delving back into, um, the past eight months of the pod. And this is not something I don't typically go back and listen to my own podcast. I just don't, I don't know that anybody else does. I listen to Justin and I's follow along by the way on Instagram and Twitter at Gear Freaks Pod. Subscribe, rate, review, share the links out to the Gear Freaks podcast as well. I go back and I listen to that because I enjoy it. It's not that I don't enjoy this, but there's different when it's you're doing an entire episode with with your guy, somebody else. It's not just hearing the droning sound of my own cigarette-infested fucking voice all the time. So that was kind of an arduous task, was going back and, and listening. Nobody likes hearing the sound of their own voice. At least I don't think so. If you do, you're a fucking sociopath. <laughs> but... You know, so putting some of these together was um, was interesting. There had to be uh, some some booze consumed to make it through, but but we did it, and we're here. Um, and it's I think it's an interesting collection of clips. Not all of them age well, but that's part of the you know the fun, I guess. And you know, it's it's a good look back and a good retrospective for the first eight months as we look to reset the clock on free agency there's a calendar every year in the nfl you know despite the fact that there are four teams left the packers the bucks the chiefs and the bills none of them are the birds so while those matchups are awesome and it'll be fun to watch championship sunday this coming week and you know side note go buffalo for the teams that are left but uh as Eagle fans, our minds have already shifted to free agency in the draft and what the hell's going on with this head coaching search. So with that being said, let's take a look back. Let's be Stewie Griffin, if you will, and hit the time travel button on the past eight months and go back and look and see, uh, you know, see, see the beginning phases of the pod, if you will, and see how poorly some of these takes may have aged. I hope you enjoy this trip down memory lane. Oh, birds. Go birds. Oh, birds. Go Additionally, with the 21st pick, the Eagles got better on offense as well as Justin Jefferson fell. The hot mock draft name. And look, I love Justin Jefferson. I said it on episode two a couple days ago. Love him. The majority of his his, uh, production comes from the slot. Kind of a red flag for me because you want a guy that can line up anywhere. If you're taking a guy in the first round, to me, you don't want a niche talent. And I'm not calling Justin Jefferson. I'm not downgrading what he did. The guy's a phenomenal talent. There's a reason he went the first round. Maybe not where you wanted, but he's a first-round player. But you have Jefferson, who gets the majority of his production from the slot. He's the hot name. He's the guy everybody's seen in mock drafts. Therefore, that's the guy that conditioned some people to believe that we should take. So when he's still sitting there at 21, you got to be thinking it's Jefferson. And I did too. But I was not convinced that it wasn't Jefferson. The sky was falling here. So with the 21st pick, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Jalen Rager, wide receiver out of TCU. And again, immediately all hell breaks loose. What the fuck are we doing? Howie is trash. Fuck him. Fire the staff. And this is not everybody. It's just pockets of the, the dumb shit you see on the internet. 
in the comment section on Eagles Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and just dumbass people who do not do their homework themselves, don't watch any tape, realistically probably don't watch a ton of college football and even know who some of these guys are, but have just seen Justin Jefferson's name in mock drafts. Therefore, they go, that's who I want. He's the popular guy. And he went to LSU, the national champions, and caught touchdown passes from Joe Burrow, the first overall pick. So we know him. Not knowing what Jalen Rager's capable of. Having no fucking idea. Just he's not the guy that we've heard of. He's not the shiny toy we've told we've been told should go here. So smart people that have done their homework have looked at it and gone, okay, it's a good pick. The internet crowd raging with pitchforks is there immediately to just pour the gasoline on it and light it on fire. If you look at Jalen Rager and what he brings to the table, I'm telling you this is a phenomenal pick, okay? It may not have been who you wanted. It's not Justin Jefferson. It's not who you thought it would be. But this is a good pick, and it will not di- disappoint. Love with Jalen Rager. From Wachahaxie, Texas, home of the National Wrestling Alliance's Trevor Murdoch. Had to work that in. Had to. Could not re- not the fastest time for a receiver, 4.47 at the Combine. Unofficially at his virtual pro day, again, unofficial 40 time for Rager, was a 4.22. Unofficially. This guy's got speed. This guy's got speed that can go up and high point the ball. Again, 42-inch vertical, 5'11", 205 pounds. He can high point the ball. Explosive speed, he's a three-level target. This guy can win on all three levels of the field. And more importantly, as compared to Jefferson, who got the overwhelming majority of his production from the slot at LSU, Rager can line up anywhere. You can put him outside. You can put him in the slot. You can put him anywhere, and he wins at all three levels of the field. And again, versatility is something that Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson value. He's also valuable in special teams as Rager. He can return punts and kickoffs for you as well. And that's an element, again, old reliable Darren Sproles, retired now. So that's another dimension that he brings to the table. Okay, again, watch watch tape on these guys. And so when you look at the box score, it's popular to shit on this pick as well, if you want to be lazy. Because if you look at his stat line, his stat scores, 2018, right, he put up good numbers. 72 receptions, 1,061 yards for nine touchdowns. Impressive. Now, this past year, again, this is why you can't just look at box scores. 43 receptions, 611 yards, and five touchdowns in 2019 for TCU. Now, that's not sexy. If you look at that in a vacuum, I get where you would go, man, that's not good for a dude being taken 21 overall. But that's why you can't just go by box scores and mock drafts. TCU's quarterback situation this year was a disaster. They had a true freshman starting a quarterback. Some dude named Max Duggan. All right? Yeah, there were a few drop balls here and there, but on Rager's behalf. But the quarterback situation, having a true freshman start is not ideal to have your perimeter talent put up massive numbers that you want to see if your team is taking them in the first round. So don't just look at 611 yards and five touchdowns and go, man, this is a shit pick. Go Birds. Go Birds! In the room. So after sitting around 
Friday, getting geared up for what we were going to do in round two of the draft again. Because as we said, there was you go into the second round of the draft, there was still a ton of talent on the board. A ton of talent. And you're just waiting for the 53rd pick to come around to see what Harry Roseman's going to do. You know, a couple guys that I had kind of hoped would be there at 53 had started to uh, start to go off the board. Guys like Grant Delpit, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know what I mean? There were there was a lot of guys there that personally were high on my my big board, my wish list, if you will, uh, who started to go right around the mid forty range, early forties, mid forties, which somewhat limited the options. But again, at fifty three, there was still a lot there, man, a lot. And with the fifty third pick, Philadelphia Eagles selected Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of Oklahoma, and. <laughs> I remember watching it. I was watching the draft with my brother-in-law and a buddy of mine. And when that pick was made, you know, all eyes in the room go to you. You know what I mean? Oh, shit. What's he going to do? Because, again, you know, I know we're only in episode four of this thing, but if you'll find out eventually. I'm an, an avid Carson Wentz defender. Love my guy. So, and in fact, I've defended him to both of these guys. So when that pick was made, you could just feel the look, you know what I mean? And I I couldn't do anything, man, in all honesty, but just stare blankly at the television for at least 30 seconds. I didn't move because I just, I, 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 I was frozen in awe, if I'm being completely honest, not trying to be over dramatic or anything like that. Did not see this coming in a million fucking years. Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. Carson was just signed to a four-year, $128 million deal, $66 million guaranteed before this past season. You know, he signed through 2024. You, you just invested that much in your, in your quarterback, the franchise. And this is the move that you make. It, 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 it shocked me because I was sitting there looking at the board as, as the birds were on the clock. And, okay, again, my, my they're going to the second round, uh, admittedly, was Grant Delpit that I thought maybe had a chance to fall a little bit because he had, he had fallen a lot. He was a guaranteed first-round lock if you go back six months. And he kind of started to fall down the board a little bit, did Delpit. You know, maybe not the best tackler you know what I mean? He was kind of a kind of a faller where other guys were risers at the safety position. So therefore, you kind of see him fall down the board, not necessarily even because of his own doing, but by default. And wanted him to fall, he didn't. He went, I believe it was forty four overall to Cleveland. You know, but still looking at who was there at fifty three, couple guys that jumped out to me that I thought made all the sense in the world for this team. Again, going back to how much Howie Roseman emphasizes the trenches. A.J. Epinesa, defensive end out of Iowa, wasn't my favorite guy. You know what I mean? Fringe first-rounder, productive career at Iowa, streaky, didn't have the best combine, but at the 53rd pick, you get value there. He goes the very next pick, 54 overall to the Buffalo Bills. Why not double down on receiver in a deep receiver class? Why not? Get you two top ten receivers. You got Jalen Rager the night before. You can get Denzel Mims here at 53. Nope. He goes 59 to the Jets. Joe Douglas, Howie Roseman's protege, takes him. Joe Douglas, side note, killed it in the draft. 
and I've said that this 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 I know it's popular to shit on the Jets, but I'm telling you, and this isn't a Jet podcast, so I'm not going to go a ton into it, but it still applies to the Birds because Joe Douglas is their GM. He's going to have that team right in a couple years. If you look at what they did in the draft, absolutely love what Joe Douglas did. You can tell him learning underneath Howie Roseman, even though I'm about to shit on Howie Roseman, (laughs) him learning at his knee is going to bring the Jets, I'm not going to say back to prominence because they haven't been prominent since fucking Joe Namath. And even he is a fraud, is a Hall of Famer, throwing more interceptions and touchdowns. But regardless, Denzel Mims goes 59 overall to the Jets. Corner had been addressed in free agency. Darius Slay, big money deal, big transaction, big trade. Extended him as well. Nicole Roby Coleman, the slot god. But you still another corner wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. Injuries happen. You got teams that are going, you know, three, four wide. Spread the perimeter. Spread the, you know, spread the field out. That's what the game is in 2020. Another corner wouldn't hurt. There's Christian Fulton sitting right there, corner out of LSU. Now, <coughs> again, I'm not a big Christian Fulton guy in terms of, of, of tackling. If you watch his tape, he's not, not a great tackler. But he's good in coverage. And when you've made the moves that the birds have at safety, moving Jalen Mills, and you've got Rodney McLeod still back there bringing him back, I think it's okay to take a flyer on Fulton at 53 overall. Just for the sheer coverage ability. Again, the value right there. Having a possible first-round, you know, guy with a late first, early second-round grade on him fall to you in the middle of the second round. Christian Fulton goes 61st overall to the Titans. Guy I was huge on. We touched on him in episode two. Jeremy Chin, safety out of Southern Illinois. Love this guy's game. Love this guy's game. And again, you know, going back to the 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 transition from Mills to safety and keeping McLeod, it wouldn't hurt to have a guy like Jeremy Chin back there. You know, it's a death piece, if anything else. Let him develop since he went school at a smaller school. Let him adjust to the NFL game. Jeremy Chin goes 64th overall to the Panthers. Logan Wilson, linebacker out of uh, Wyoming, another guy I was huge on. Linebacker was a huge position of need going into this draft. It needed to be addressed. Now, we didn't know at the time, at the 53rd pick, that it would be eventually. But Logan Wilson was one of my top five linebackers in this draft. He ended up going first pick of the third round, 65th overall to Cincinnati. Hell of a draft by the Bengals, by the way. Also, Zach Bond looked very, very good to me at 53. You know, you, you, you see how far he fell down the board. He goes 74th overall to the Saints. Great value by New Orleans. New Orleans, with only having four or five picks in this draft, New Orleans hit a fucking home run with everyone. Everyone. Quality over quantity. You know, and I hate giving the Saints props for shit because Sean Payton throws a temper tantrum every single time they get bounced out of the playoffs. Like they haven't been, like they weren't beneficiaries from shady shit on the referee's behalf. They got their first and only Super Bowl championship from that that game against the Saints, the Bounty Gate. It was blatantly obvious that something was off. They get Zach Bond 74th overall. So again, my point is at 53rd overall, 
those were all guys to me. And I thought it might have been a little early maybe for a Logan Wilson. I thought he was kind of like a like a third-round guy, mid-third round, maybe early fourth. You know what I mean? Made all the sense in the world at 65 for Cincinnati because they know they're not, they're not a team that makes moves up or down the draft board. So they know if we don't take him here, he's not going to be there at the beginning of day three. So he makes all the sense in the world for them at 65. 53 might have been a little rich for him, but still, I'd have been, I'd have been fine with it. All these guys on the board at 53. These were all options I was looking at. Again, A.J. Epinesa, Denzel Mims, Christian Fulton, Jeremy Chin, Logan Wilson, Zach Bond. All value, save for maybe Logan Wilson. A little bit of a reach, but again, it's a need, skill position that you need to address. And you go quarterback. You go quarterback there. Again, I cannot emphasize enough the draft being basically my favorite drug of the year. Do not do drugs, kids, by the way. But if you're going to, I highly suggest the draft again. It's we're in January now. The draft is in late April and and transactions are already being made for the draft weekend at my house. I love it. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait to delve into it over the next couple months with you guys. Now, going forward for these next few clips, I have if you're a listener to the pod, you know I'm a huge Carson Wentz guy. And of all years to start a podcast and plant your flag with number 11, this was not the year to do so <laughs> at all. But at the end of the day, look, I, I, a lot's come out on my guy. I still buy him. I still believe in the talent. I still believe he is closer to what he was in 2017 than closer to what we saw this year, all things considered. But uh, let's take a moment, a few minutes, and look back at um, – Quite frankly, at how bad the franchise made me look at times this year. This, we don't have an opportunity. I don't understand the faction of this fan base that still is calling for Carson Wentz's head. And, oh, let, let's see what Jalen Hurts can do. Do you really think that Jalen Hurts, do you really think that Jalen Hurts is going to, would, would, would put up 22 points in the fourth quarter against Baltimore's defense and, and have this team, and an opportunity to upset the the reigning defending NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore Ravens. There is absolutely no way Carson Wentz, once again, even though he was getting teed off on by this Ravens defense, he got sacked by his own guy at one point, Jamon Brown, whatever the hell a guy's name is, the guard who filled in for Matt Pryor, who may or may not have COVID, that – Wentz was taking a beating, and he stood in there, and he kept making plays, play after play, on the ground, through the air. Again, this guy put the team on his back and gave you an opportunity to win this game. And there's still people out there that go, ah, no, he's trash. If you don't see the talent that Carson Wentz has, do myself, do everybody around you, do do this favor for everybody. Never talk football again. Because you can look at the win-loss column and go, hey, he's one, four, and one, whatever. Look, it, it, watch the games. Watch the games. Because the amount of times this year that Carson Wentz, and I'm, it, I'm not even going back to last year when 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 undefeated in December happened to win the NFC East with guys like Greg Ward Jr. out there. I'm not even going back there. 
the wins happened there, so he got a little bit of credit. Even then, he didn't get the credit he deserved. But now the wins aren't there as much because there's injuries along the offensive line, which is key. Carson Wentz can make a guy like Travis Fulgham or Greg Ward Jr. a star if he's protected and he's not running for his life, which he has been because, again, 17 offensive starters on this team have missed games. 17. Think about that. And you expect him to come out here and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns every game and look like Pat Mahomes and look like 2017 MVP-level Carson Wentz? It's not going to happen. He's lost an entire team and a half on offense. What he's doing with what he's got is remarkable. It truly is. And if you don't see it, you don't understand the game of football. This is a team that should be dead every single week. Carson Wentz, you say what you want with his, his injury history. With his injury history, do not question his toughness because being sacked 25 times through six games, if the injury thing was a thing and he was made of chalk bones and peanut brittle, he would have already been dead. Watch the games. He's getting murdered back there. Any other quarterback would be making business decisions. And he's out there running, fighting for yards, making plays through the air to guys you've never heard of, running the ball repeatedly over and over again to get you a fresh set of downs, even though that's how he's been hurt several times. If you don't see the talent, if you don't appreciate what number 11 does, you are an idiot. Again, let's not, as Eagles fans, let's not be entitled, okay? There's been, and, and, and please don't get, again, get get the Nick Foles argument out of here. If you're going to be that guy, oh, we need Nick Foles back, you really think Nick Foles would be able to do what Carson Wentz has done? Excuse me for the live burp, as I said Carson Wentz's name. Nick Foles is he's Nick Foles can move in the pocket. But again, do you think he would be able to do what Carson Wentz has done on the ground the last couple games, running for his life when he has to flush himself out of the pocket and go make plays? There is no way in hell Nick Foles is doing that. Absolutely no way. Five carries, 49 yards for a touchdown against on the ground against Baltimore. There's no way Foles is giving you that. No way. He's the default that everybody goes to because he won the Super Bowl. There's a statue of him outside the link. And, you know, now you got the Jalen Hurts albatross. And, and you know, because he comes in and he goes, you know, one for one for two yards or whatever. And he'll have a decent little run. So everybody gets all excited and they get it half-masked. And they think, okay, this is, this is what – imagine what we could do if we put – I saw this as a thing that was said this weekend. Imagine what – Imagine what this team would look like if they put a team around Jalen Hurts. Imagine what it would look like if they had a healthy team around Carson Wentz. That is what you should, John Lennon, imagine. Not if they put talent around the backup, who's here to be a high-profile Taysom Hill type. And go ahead and call the Saints fans. Ask Ask your buddy if you got a Saints fan in your life. Yo, what's Taysom Hill dynamic done for you this year? And they'll tell you, nothing. You're playing with 10 guys. It's stupid. There's a reason all these fads die. The Wildcat, Ronnie Brown, Pat White in Miami, 
back in the day. There's a reason it all goes away. Because it's stupid. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And again, if you cannot see the talent that Carson Wentz has and the fact that we're not even in these games, we're not, these games are not even possible to win without Carson Wentz, you're, you're a fool. You're a fool and you're just hot take guy on the internet who's, who's just trying to get the like, the thumbs on your comment because it's easy to tee off on the quarterback. The expectation is okay. Hopefully, by the end of the game, hopefully, this isn't going to be one of these deals where it's the roller coaster and my asshole has to be pucker tight until the clock hits double zero. That you can, okay, by about middle of the third quarter, you can kind of kick back, relax a little bit, you know, and, and, and just watch coast till the end of the game, and you've come down enough to the when the when the clock hits double zero, you can cut the TV off. You can go outside. You can smoke that last cigarette before bed, the victory smoke, the postcoital cigarette. Yay, we won! And you can lay your pillow, your head down on the pillow, and just drift off to sleep, knowing that you beat Dallas and get ready to start the work bullshit all again the next day. Not the case. That's not what we got going into this game. Okay, my thought process was I wanted not only to beat Dallas, and I don't think this is exclusive to last night's game. I think you always want the 44-6, to you know, game against the Cowboys. That's always what you want as an Eagles fan, right? But going into last night's game, I was like, okay, I want to throttle these fuckers because – Jalen Hurts is an albatross. Carson Wentz kind of there's still people out there that 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 don't get it with him, that don't buy it, and you want to see him come out and just light these motherfuckers up like the 4th of July, put him to bed, RIP, and take first place, go into the bye on the highest of highs and let it be. And put any put any doubt, put any put any of that shit to bed. It was of the utmost importance to me that that happened, and that is not what we got. That is not what we got. We got the complete opposite. Now, Wentz threw for two touchdowns, but he also threw for two picks. And, you know, I'll say this, man, as Captain Carson. I comp him. When I watch him play, there is so much Brett Favre in his game to me because you've got a guy in Carson Wentz that has all the talent in the world. All the talent in the world. His talent is indisputable. Sorry. Even after a game like last night. And I'm not even going to get into – I'm not going to get into the O-line shit. That's been – that's a dead horse that's been beaten to death. So, I, with that in mind, in the back of your subconscious, let's move it to the side now. And in and, and Carson Wentz, you have a guy – that does not have tremendous pocket awareness, is not super accurate, uh, definitely not a strong point, and does not throw the ball away, doesn't quit on a play, which can be admirable, but it can cost you at times as well. And it, 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 it's a double-edged sword because on the flip side, you have a guy 
who makes throws like he did a week and a half ago to 5-6 Boston Scott over the shoulder of a defense back for the Giants that wins you the game. He will make plays once or twice a game that take your breath away, that make you go, Jesus Christ, what a play. No other quarterback in the league. Okay, maybe Pat Mahomes. But there's not many quarterbacks that can make plays like that, make throws like that. Then you have the dumb boneheaded plays where he's 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 backpedaling and he's running, he's rolling out, trying to extend the play because he's constantly trying to hit a home run with every play and make too much happen. He's playing hero ball, and there's really nothing in front of him. And Leighton Van Der Esch smacks him, and he fumbles the ball, and the Cowboys have the ball now deep in Eagles territory. I will always be willing to take the bad with the good when it comes to Carson Wentz. And I think you have to keep that in mind as you watch this team. I don't think it's as simple as looking at Carson Wentz and go, yeah, he's fucking trash. No, no. I, he's done enough in his five years in the league to prove that he is not trash, okay? But he is very much a bipolar experience. He will make you want to fucking pluck your eyes out with forks, and then the next minute he will make you go, that's my guy. But you can't have the second one. Go Birds. Go Birds! So, you know, you might not want to put yourself behind the eight ball, Doug, but because Doug Peterson is convinced that every time he goes for it on fourth down or every time he goes for a two-point conversion instead of an extra point, his dick gets bigger. We have to go for it, go for a two-point conversion when all you have to do is kick the extra point and make it a three-point game. That decision made zero sense there. None. This guy is trying to revolutionize a game that's been played for over 100 years. Over a hundred years, and Doug Peterson's here trying to reinvent the wheel when his team is three, four, and one, and scratching and clawing with a team that's two and seven. I'm all for risk. I get it. Play to win. Right, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. But again, keep in mind this is the same guy that weeks back punted against the Cincinnati Bengals to take a tie. Now, that tie could end up being beneficial. I get it. But you cannot, like we've said, you cannot punt in that situation and then come out and go for two here. It's bipolar. There are some uh, some Carson Wentz takes that probably aged about as well as Milk does. Um, <laughs> he uh, didn't make me look like the brightest podcaster in the world at times, but again, I think you have to take the entire the entire picture, not just a snapshot of it, and uh, and and weigh everything um, all together. You know, we'll see what the twenty twenty one season brings. A lot of that to discuss, you know, going forward in year two of the pod. But one of my favorite things um, about the way the pod has progressed in the first eight months or so is the fact that uh, producer Justin and I started our own pod, Gear Freaks. You can go check it out again, all podcast platforms. If you like talking sports uniforms, throwbacks, currents, goods, bads, it's all there. It's a blast. So every week... 
being that Gear Freaks drops on Tuesday, we plug here every Monday the episode that is dropping the following day. So that way listeners of Grease Pole can go check it out, so on and so forth. But that has eventually evolved, um, like a Pokemon, into uh, food conversations. And it's, it's, I think it makes for a lot, of, a lot of intriguing conversation. Because at the end of the day, who doesn't like to eat, right? Everybody loves food. I don't care who you are, what you look like. Everybody likes to eat, right? And I love the fact that this has not only become just another Eagles podcast, but it has become the place where you, like, you come here for the birds talk, but you stay for the stupidity like the food talk and the Reese's Big Cups and things of that nature. Here's a clip. Man. And then the onion. See, I go, if you do it again, which I highly recommend, definitely go, because they put onions and pickles on them. The pickles I don't get. The pickle doesn't seem like it has it. Pickles just in general, fast food, they get too happy with pickles. Pickles get put on shit that they have no business on. <laughs> the McRib is perfect example. The onions are, are forgivable. Yeah. I'm okay with the onions, but you got to go no pickle to me. I don't know what they're doing with that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get pickles on it, take pickles off half, cut it in half to see the difference. Okay, there you go. Some science. That's a good call. Turn it into an, an experiment. <laughs> That's a good call. I'm just convinced because a pickle is such a it's a prominent smell. You can smell a pickle. You yeah. know, you know when a pickle's there. A pickle is one of those things. If it touches my food, everything is tainted. Everything is tainted. I feel like my food has now been raped. Does I can't remember is McDonald's a dill pickle or a sweet? I don't know. I don't know. That'll taint too. Like that'll that would sway opinions too. I want to say dill, okay. but so maybe okay. I don't I know. Hamburger, hamburger dill usually, probably in a fast food. See, joint. I'm big on textures, man. Like I've I've done the now. I always look because I don't fast food people. I don't want to say I don't trust you. I just don't think the care is equal from from everybody across the board. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've accidentally bitten into a pickle before, and the texture is just, no, I don't want that. And, and <laughs> it doesn't mesh, man. I, you get a nice, juicy burger, and you have just, like, vinyl in there. I don't, I can't. Interesting. I, like, I don't. I oh. like a nice pickle on a burger. So that means you weren't happy about the uh, the the jar or the big jug of pickles we had at our bar. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. I do remember it. it. Didn't it's weird because the smell doesn't really bother me. I just don't want it on my food. I don't want it on my food, man. I'm weird. I'm really weird. I'm also the guy. Like if you've got like a plate of food that has multiple courses on it, mm-hmm. do you attack it all at the same time, or do you go about it strategically and you go like I I all of one thing at well like the mcribs for example Mm -hmm. the two mcribs and then the the fries that come with it i eat the mcribs first and my my thought process is i'm the most hungry at the beginning of the meal Mm -hmm. so i will enjoy the mcribs more this is really fucked up that (laughs) that i map out how i'm going to attack food this way (laughs) but i go mcrib one two and then you set the boxes aside so you still have that barbecue sauce excess and then you go after the fries so it, it, that all depends on what I'm eating. Okay, makes S- sense. Sometime like a like a Five Guys, for example, which Ooh. I I will sometimes burger, burger, burger. Yeah, let's fuck up some fries before they get too cold. Right. And McDonald's is one of those places. Again, I I, I don't know what it is now, but a McDonald's fry is probably the best fast food fry. But you let them suckers get cold. And you're done. For. Yeah, the integrity's out the window. Right, it but is. You it, 
right out of the box, right out of the fryer, McDonald's fries. They are elite. They are elite. I tend to go, depending on what, uh, here are the rallies on the West Coast, I guess they're checkers. Yeah. Their fries. Oh, dude. Yeah, some of my faves. Yeah. They actually have, for the real fat kids among us, they have the the fry lovers extra large fry. And what they do is they take just one of their big ass drink cups and just load it full of fries. That's smart. It's it's because nobody wants anything else really from rallies. That's it. The I burgers mean, are okay, they're all right. They're okay, like, but nobody, ain't nobody paying for that. No, you're I going the there fries. for the fries. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. And they, I'm that the fry lovers excel at rallies. Shout out to them. Yo. I mean, my waistline doesn't really care for it, <laughs> but dude. Hmm. Okay. Investment. Yeah. Investment. Well, and I, I guess on that same level, that's one of the things I like about Five Guys. Back oh, fries. dude. The bag fry from Five Guys is great because they hook you up. Mm-hmm. Now, it's weird because the fine line is you can't go the large because the large is egregious. It's entirely too it's much. It's too much. And this is coming from me, dude. I can <laughs> fucking eat, all right? But it, it's too much. What's funny is you get the regular regular fries. Yeah. So they fill that cup and you get bag fries. That usually is good enough for my family. Perfect. Four. Really? Yeah, usually. I am gross. That's me. <laughs> I eat your family's dinner by myself. <laughs> Christ, where else can you get equally like you get an equal level of breakdown here with the NFL draft analysis and where to go for the best fast food fries in the industry. <laughs> so for whatever that's worth, I think it's a I think it's a good market to carve out though because you can come for draft analysis and football talk and everything else. You know, and you can also get your grub on with us. I am wrong. It was not Reese's Big Cups that started that. It was the the return of the wonderful McRib, which is a favorite part of uh, a favorite part of winter every year for you, boy. Clearly, as <laughs> based off the conversation that expired. So that is a, a a clip of you know what what you can expect here on the pod um, before we delve into the birds talk every week, which is what we're about to get back into. This was um inspired off of just watching Doug Peterson's terrible play calling this year and coming around to the realization that maybe we are better off in another direction without him if he's not going to relinquish the play calling duty, which we know he's not because he thinks he has a 10-inch penis. So aside from Brian Dable, which we have talked about here for about two months on the pod, here is another guy in-house in a rant why I believe we should elevate somebody else that has been in the NovaCare complex for many years. Here you go. Eagles owner Jeff Lurie has come out. It's, it's The reports are out there now that he's frustrated with the team under Doug Peterson. So, okay, Peterson's initial reaction is I got to – I stood by Carson, but now I got the spark thing. I now have to try and have a spark for this office because now I'm coaching for my job. Again, this is a guy that just won a Super Bowl – you know, two, three years ago, and he's on the hot seat. Like I've said here before, that Super Bowl did not guarantee him a decade of, un- of, of employment here. Just didn't. Bottom line. I didn't expect him to be on the hot seat this year, but here we are. Now, again, ultimately, I think he stays. I just want to see him acquiesce. The play calling, as we've discussed before, before, give it to Deuce Staley. There's no reason Doug Peterson needs to be calling these plays all the time. Clearly, he cannot do it effectively, right? Which leads us to last Monday, the Seattle game. Doug Peterson, we come to find out, he did not call all four quarters of plays in that Seattle game on Monday night. He did not. Okay, 
Hell yeah. He's rela- he's acquiescing some of the play calling duties to another coach. Is it Deuce Staley? Nope. Try cute quarterback coach. Press Taylor. A guy named fucking Press. That's who you give it to. Because he's the quarterback coach, because Doug Peterson is so obsessed with passing the ball when he's the guy that when he was in Cleveland lost his job. What was was behind Spurgeon win on the depth chart? Spurgeon fucking win in the in the. We're not talking the nine and three Cleveland Browns that you have now. They're actually respectable. We're talking the the the, the reborn expansion Courtney Brown Tim Couch, Cleveland Browns. He couldn't start. He couldn't. He couldn't beat Tim Couch's backup over Spurgeon win. But he's so obsessed with passing the ball. That, okay, quarterbacks, Coach Press Taylor, I'm going to give you the play-calling duties. And Press Taylor's been here for, you know, a good amount of time as well. But Deuce Staley, again, with the tenure, his mentality, I, I don't know other than the fact that, again, I, why? Mm, fucking Christ almighty. Deuce Staley has been with his team through uh, as a coaching staff, as a running backs coach on this coaching staff for Three tenures, three head coaching tenures. Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson. And and you're going to give it to fucking Press, Taylor, the quarterback coach, because you're so pass happy when you've got a guy that has put in time, that knows his roster, knows what it is capable of. You owe it to him to try and elevate him. Andy Reid elevated you so you could come to this team, win a Super Bowl, and fuck shit up. The least you could do is elevate Deuce. But no, we're going to give it to Press Taylor, the other white guy who likes run the football or likes throwing the football as well. He's a quarterback coach. So I'm going to give it to him instead of the black guy who prefers to run the ball. Now I'm not calling Doug Peterson a racist. But those optics are shit. Go birds. Go birds. Only because he weirded me out because he slid in my DMs and like asked me where I worked and stuff, and I was no, like, no, "What is happening no. right now?" So that was kind of funny, but um, oh, he just wasn't any good either. He had like one play in the history of his career where he did something meaningful. So yeah. I would just say, like for the most part, he was just kind of a bum. Yeah, no, so. that, the fourth and twenty-six was it. So hold on, I did. did was there? Did he like follow up aggressively, FredX, or like how did this DM exchange? I swear go? to God, it was the funniest thing. I was like, "Is Freddie Mitchell like trying to slide in my DMs right now? What's going on?" <laughs> he was like, "What hotel do you work at?" That was his starting no. message. I was like, "Yeah, no. I'm not gonna tell you where I work. That's so weird." What the fuck? <laughs> so yeah that was like an experience for me <laughs> jesus jesus that dude like this is an ex nf i mean i god god damn that guy yeah what what the hell with him man come on well, can can we start like just with the basic don't <laughs> it, 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 right man like it like don't. I wonder what he thought that was going to end in. Well, the the worst Jesus. thing is that it's probably worked before. Oh, I, it, why else would he do that? 
Right. This is this is not that was not a first. No. And nor a last. No. Nor a last. No. Which is frightening. Oh. Which is frightening, just, man. Just don't. I want to like I know that like and clearly Sarah's good from it, which I I'm glad there's no psychological effects, yeah, but seriously. I want I want to I want to shower now. Yeah, like <laughs> like I mean, I guess maybe at, at least he didn't go like like deep, like yeah. scary deep just but or pit, there was no pictures. It yeah. didn't sound like, which is nice. Yeah, but like, oh, dude, like how? <laughs> what hotel do you work at? Like, oh, that is a very weird opener. Very weird, That's especially the like open. <laughs> it, on on Instagram, man. This is you can't you can't open with that on IG because you can't. You know how you you misinterpret. Yes, you can send shit through a text and it's misinterpreted mm-hmm. different than it is like with a voice. You can hear inflection on shit and things right. like that. That's How do you just... lead with that though? Like, right. I guess maybe like if you like, guys what are, are going to do, if you guys are playing back and forth on Instagram and then it's like, okay, yeah. well, you know, let's do something. <laughs> you know, let's go hang out or something. Right. Oh, well, which one do you work at? But like. Right. To lead with that. To lead. Oh, I'm opening the door with, don't. I'm referencing your line of work and which one, though. <laughs> just don't. And there is a fun but gross story about uh, 4th and 26, Freddie Mitchell. One of the biggest draft busts in the history of this franchise. And let's face it, that list is not, not, a, not a short one. This is also the same team that drafted a 26-year-old Canadian firefighter. Uh, it, it, the list of not well draft picks for the birds is extensive and high, high along that list is Freddie Mitchell, um, who only delivered one play in his career. And other than that, apparently is just, uh, just being a pest and being a pervert all over the internet. I'm sure he's not the only one, but there's something just even worse about it when literally all you made was one play in your career. And you're the guy that got a quote out of Bill Belichick. That is hard to do, and he managed to do it. And here he is being just just lifetime movie guy on the internet. Super, super gross. So there are um, a few clips um, from the first calendar year of the pod. Hopefully you enjoyed them. Going back through them, I think I've made a couple New Year's resolutions for myself on the pod. A, uh, I don't always have to clear my throat in the mic. I don't always have to... uh, suck snot through the mic i make a lot of mouth noises uh you can hear me chew gum oftentimes so you know at the end of the day we are people everybody you know it's it's you're talking into a microphone for 30 45 minutes or an hour at times you know life and flatulence happen but i I think i should probably try and be a little a uh, little less gross um as i just did it i say that and i just did it again right afterwards so i should probably just quit trying to be on my high horse as i literally just did the same thing i said i wouldn't do there is a lot that i've got to work on in year two but those are the best clips from year one as the anniversary episode approaches uh four months from now right before the draft which is my favorite thing every year i look forward to covering these drafts the next couple months ins the outs i actually just started this past weekend delving into watching tape on guys and things of that nature i've been compiling a list of guys over the college football season which was so weird with with covid and everything else it did not feel the way it normally does but i've been keeping a list of guys i usually do that i want to watch tape on and i started kind of going into that this weekend to prepare for the draft episodes coming up we also have a head coaching vacancy still out there as of the recording of this episode so there's that josh mcdaniels um 
was in the building for for a long time yesterday. I do not want that guy. Please God, not the guy that backed out on the Indianapolis job. And is the reason that Frank Reich went to the Colts to begin with, why we lost a smart guy on our coaching staff and are in this fucking position to begin with. So there's that. Really don't want Josh McDaniels again. Brian Dable, Deuce Staley, uh, Joe Brady would be cool. I would also like the hiring of Gerard Mayo because I played with him in, at Kekatan High School, and he's a great dude. And uh, ultimately, he's going to get a head coaching gig wherever it is. He deserves it. Um, and I'm I'm proud that my team gave him his first interview regardless of what comes of it. So there is that. Maybe by next week we'll have, you know, we'll have a head coach. I hope they don't rush into this thing as long as Buffalo's, you know, not not eliminated. Again, as as we've discussed here at nauseum, Brian Dable is my first choice. The Chargers, which I thought was where Brian Dable was going to go inevitably, and they were in on him as well. They have since hired earlier this morning Brandon Staley the L.A. Rams defensive coordinator. So that takes up the L.A. Chargers head coaching gig. So there's another one that's gone. The only teams left that have yet to fill vacancies are us, Detroit, and Houston. The worst of the bunch. But that being said, I, you know, we discussed it last week's episode. I don't think this is – this is definitely not as attractive a gig as, uh, as San Diego – because Justin Herbert, you get Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville. Have fun with that, Urban Meyer. Or have fun with that, Jacksonville. Have fun with Urban Meyer. You know, he goes 6-10, and 10, and he's going to have another fake health crisis next year. And uh, uh, the Jets, I think as well, are a more appealing job than we are. I think we're probably the only teams we're above is Detroit and Houston. Houston somehow manages to seem like more of a disaster than we are. So, you know, I who knows what will happen. You know, I, I don't expect <laughs> – optimum out of out of Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie uh, at this point, but we will see how it plays out, um, and we will be here to discuss it with you next Monday. I hope you've enjoyed the greatest hits from the first calendar year of the podcast. As always, I am available on Instagram at Greaseball Podcast. Feedback, all that good stuff. Let me know. Let me have it. See you next time. As always, go Birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another Greaseball night in Philly. 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 Philly.